The question is, are you ready? This is The Drive with Josh Graham on Sports Hub Triad. I'm serious when I say this. This might be the best hoops weekend we've had all season long. I'll be at NC State Wake Forest tomorrow. We'll also see Louisville for the first time in nearly three weeks in Chapel Hill. Heck, the Hornets will be back after their last two games got postponed, hosting Steph and the Warriors to cap a homestand. But the game I'm most interested in, that I believe has the largest stakes attached to it, will be played at Cameron Indoor Stadium in prime time tomorrow night. Virginia Duke is an absolutely colossal game. This is the question I have to you. If Duke wins tomorrow night, what's the headline? What are people discussing in college basketball? Many people have buried Duke. If they win tomorrow night, how much differently do you feel about it? On Twitter at SportsHubTriant, 336-777-1600, the phone number. Because I think a Blue Devil win against a legit top 15, top 20 team in the country will officially revive Duke's NCAA tournament hopes. It would be, Robert, was it at WrestleMania? Undertaker had the meme created what's now like a really popular meme where he just sits back up as if to come back to life. I mean, that's kind of like his thing in general, but yeah, he, he's done that at WrestleMania before. Okay. That's what I think Duke's going to be. Duke is the Undertaker meme if they win tomorrow night against Virginia. Because we brought this up yesterday, but I want to drill deeper into it. Duke's current net situation's not as bad as you might think. When you look at the net rankings, which is something really important that the committee's going to look at, Duke is currently 60th in the net. 60th. Joe Lenardi releases bracketology pretty much every single day. The last two teams he has getting into the field, Minnesota and Stanford. The Gophers are 57th in the net. Stanford is 53rd in the net. If Duke beats a top 15 ranked team, that's obviously going to change the discussion. Plus, the Blue Devils have opportunity to collect some more quad one wins down the stretch. You look at what they have remaining, Syracuse, that's going to be a quad two. Since they're ranked in the top 75 but not the top 30, that's going to be a game played at Cameron. But Louisville, which has North Carolina tomorrow, if Louisville were to win tomorrow, they'd be in the top 30. That becomes a quad one win if Duke's able to get it against the Cardinals. At Georgia Tech, at North Carolina, those are both going to be Quad one wins. So three of the remaining four games could be quad one wins for the Blue Devils if they're able to get it. So they have opportunities down the stretch that many of these teams on the bubble do not have. Plus, you know and I know Duke's going to get some preferential treatment. They've earned it. Some say recruiting rankings shouldn't really matter, but we know they do. We heard that from the college football playoff committee last year when trying to explain how Florida can beat, Florida can lose to LSU on its home field and yet they only drop one or two spots in the playoff rankings. Well, they just have more talent. Okay, they pass the eye test. 
that's what you'll get with Duke. It's less about, when people talk about the eye test, they're really talking about, what's your pedigree? How much can I trust you? And with Florida, you trust them a lot more than you trust Cincinnati in the college football sense. Duke has built as much equity as anybody in college basketball, haven't they? They haven't had a legitimate down season in 26 years. So if they're close, you really think the committee's going to leave Duke out? There's the obvious television effect having Duke in the tournament has on the field. But I'm talking strictly from a competitive standpoint with that type of talent that Duke has, even without Jalen Johnson. If it's close, I think Duke's going to get in the field. But keeping it on the basketball game. It's not just Duke that has stakes attached to this. Virginia needs to win to stay atop the ACC standings. They lost to Florida State. They got embarrassed. They got beat badly in Tallahassee. I'm not one to overreact to a single result, especially when it's a quick turnaround. We've seen weird games, and those quick turnarounds, Duke losing to Miami, comes to mind immediately. It was a weird result. Virginia played a physical game against North Carolina on a Saturday. Very quickly, they had to go up against FSU, which was a crispy group after they nearly lost to Wake Forest at home. I just think it was a bad spot to catch Florida State for Virginia. The Cavaliers are tied with Florida State with two losses in the standings. Virginia's played more games because they haven't had as many games postponed because of COVID. However... If you lose this one, you're not in the driver's seat anymore in the ACC. And I know how much it matters to Tony Bennett to finish atop the league standings. It's an ACC regular season title. Virginia has finished in the top two six of the last seven years in the ACC standings. They've won four of the last six ACC titles, at least tied for first place in four of the last six years. They don't want to lose that. And if they lose this game, they'll have three losses in ACC play. They would have lost back-to-back games for the first time this year. They'll be tied with Virginia Tech, their rivals, who beat Virginia earlier in the year, so they won't have the tiebreaker in that. Virginia will be in the worst spot it's been in all year if they lose to Duke. I'm expecting a great game. I'm expecting a classic because it seems like every single time these two play, you get a great game. Three of the last four meetings, Robert, have been decided by two points or less. The last three at Cameron, by two points or less. The last four at Cameron, by six points or less. You got two awesome coaches. A lot of really good players. I know if there were fans at Cameron, I would feel differently about it, especially with the way Duke's been playing, which is the best they've played all year. But I'm going to go with Virginia to win a really tight game. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. 8 o'clock, Cameron Indoor, Virginia Duke. That is the game of the weekend as far as I'm concerned. Shifting things. Big news for the Carolina Panthers. It's Black Friday for Carolina as they've cut some salary all throughout this week. My takeaway from all of it, before I get into the specifics, the stage has been set for the Panthers to finally come to a resolution with right tackle Taylor Moten. The offensive line is the biggest priority, not quarterback, even though quarterback's got the most attention. Did you know this, Robert, that Carolina 
four of its five starting offensive linemen are free agents. I was aware of that, yeah. That's a problem. Taylor Moten's a really good right tackle. In the next week, this is going to get resolved because of what Carolina's done this week to set things up. Going into this week, they had $12 million in cap space. That was ranked 16th in the league, the 16th best cap situation in terms of how much space they had, uh, how much flexibility they had. They've created $20 million extra space just over the last four or five days. KK Short, releasing him, you save $10 million. Just today, they let go of Trey Boston, punter Matthew Pilardi, and defensive end Stephen Weatherly. That saved $11 million against the cap. There's a chance you could save more if you release Justin Burris as well. So Carolina currently is floating at $32 million. That's seventh best, the seventh most cap space in the league currently, and they could create even more. The reason this is all happening now is because Carolina can start tagging players as early as next week. You can apply the one franchise tag. You can you have to do it over a two-week period. So starting next week, I think on Tuesday, leading up through March the 9th, you can tag one player, and it seems that's been earmarked for Moten. I don't think Carolina wants it to come down to that, but they're not going to let Moten hit the market. So the negotiations are really going to heat up and the sense I get, Robert, is Carolina doesn't have a lot of leverage here. We know how bad things are on the offensive line. There are not a lot of talented, younger tackles on the market. Left tackle, right tackle, you could try and bring in. Carolina also knows that it's going after a quarterback. Taylor Moten's not stupid. His agent isn't either. They can read the reports. Odds are they're going to be using that number eight pick to get a quarterback or moving up to giving up that number eight pick to pick higher and draft a quarterback or try to bring in Deshaun Watson. They're not wanting to go tackle there. You're going to be overpaying for Taylor Moten. That's what's going to happen. And when you hear overpay, Robert, I know how closely you crunch up the salary cap stuff. How much are we talking here? How much would be an overpay for, let's say, one of the five to seven best right tackles in the NFL? And like you said, when you say overpay, anytime I say overpay, I just mean you let a free agent get to free agency. It's always cheaper if you can sign guys before they get there because the demand's there. Like you said. Less he, leverage. Yeah, he has more leverage in this situation than the Panthers do. I would say you could get if you got Taylor Moten for 11 to $12 million, that's a steal. That's a deal for him. But likely it's going to be between 13 to 15 mil. Pro- that's where I would put it at. Correct. That's just that's a- what Conklin got last year, close to $15 million with Cleveland. And beyond that, I mean, there's some other ridiculous deals, but I think a lot of that's average salary. How much did you get paid one, one year versus another? Carolina's going to want to extend them long term, and it's probably going to be between 13 to 15 million. Yep. So that's what today meant for me. When you see all this salary being shedded by the Panthers, we're going to be joined by Chip Patterson of CBS Sports to continue breaking down all the hoops. As I mentioned, the Warriors visit the Hornets tomorrow night. If Golden State could have a do-over with the number two pick, would they take LaMelo over Wiseman today? We'll discuss next on The Drive. 
Yes, Josh Graham has opinions. That's right. And yes, he's got attitude. That's correct. And that's exactly why you love him. <laughs> you wish I loved you that much. You're on the drive with Josh Graham. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard to explain why teams look better when they lose talented players. We saw it with the Washington Nationals a few years ago when Bryce Harper left to become a Philly and they won the World Series the next year. And with Duke, Jalen Johnson plays eight minutes last week against NC State. They win the game by a ton. He opts out. I'm at the game Wednesday night at the Joel and... Duke looks tremendous. Then you got this from Jim Beheim, who said, who told Mike Curtis last night, Syracuse reporter, on Jalen Johnson's opt-out, quote, that guy was hurting them so they actually are a much better team now without him. He was just doing some things and keeping others from playing that are also good. They've had two monster wins since he's opted out. Okay, I don't want to get into the semantics of is Wake Forest or NC State a monster win, but we welcome in Chip Batterson from CBS Sports to discuss. Let me acknowledge this up front. It's one thing to discuss whether Bayheim should be candid about another coach's program and his players, especially given how close Kay and Bayheim are working together with USA Basketball, but let's put that aside from now and just focus on his assessment. Do you agree with what Bayheim had to say? No, no, I don't think that it's, uh, no, because I can't separate those two. Like I, like the quote is too inflammatory. The way it was presented on Twitter for our college basketball audience and the conversation around Jalen Johnson this week, I, I cannot separate, um, Beheim's role in the comment from his assessment because it, it seems, and you mentioned their relationship, it seems like the kind of talk that siblings have about each other to their parents as adults or talking about your cousin where you're telling them exactly how they should be living their life according to your standards, you know, when they're not there, obviously, talking behind their back. So you think that this is secondhand talk from Kay? You think Kay and Beheim have talked about the subject? No, I think Beheim thinks Kay is soft. I think Beheim thinks Kay's being too nice, you know? I think Beheim is... Like, because uh, they're friends, and so I don't expect them to have the same personality, and I don't expect them to have the same views on this. And certainly, the way that Jim Beheim has handled any uh, player issues in recent years has me in a space where he doesn't look uh, with the same kind of individual forward attitude that Mike Shashevsky does. Where Jim Beheim's a lot more cold, and maybe some would say old school about it, which is a lot of the like. You know, we're not making any exceptions for anyone. You either run by this standard or you can uh, uh, hit the bricks. And it, it seems like Jim Beheim was talking in a way where he was almost inserting himself into Mike Krzyzewski's shoes and suggesting that if he were making the decisions, he would not have handled it the same way that Mike Krzyzewski did, which, of course, which, which was to keep Jalen Johnson in the mix until – this happened. I mean, there's no way this decision comes and knocks Duke over by surprise. There's no way that uh, as close as those teams have been together, there's no way they couldn't have been uh, totally unaware that this is a, a potential or a possibility. And that's where, back to Jim Beheim, 
I just think Jim Beheim, the second that you know he got uh, a whiff of what was going to be going on, it would not have been the kindness that was expressed in Mike Krzyzewski's statement. It probably would have been a very cold and short, we wish him well in his future endeavors. I feel obligated as being the triad sports radio guy to make this joke about Beheim. Well, I guess he doesn't see any value in having Jalen Johnson on the Duke Blue Devils. Chip Patterson's on Twitter, right. at Chip underscore Patterson. Knock on wood, we've got some fun matchups in the ACC this weekend. I'll be at NC State going to the Joel Coliseum to face Wake. Louisville and North Carolina is intriguing since we haven't seen Louisville in a while. And, of course, there are net ramifications there. But I'm most intrigued by Duke, Virginia, I think, at Cameron, 8 o'clock tomorrow night. Because if the Blue Devils win, I think they very well could become the Undertaker meme and come back to life here. When you look at it, Chip, have you written off Duke yet? In my predictions, yes. In would you bet on them to make the tournament or not? I would bet on Duke to not make the tournament. But uh, the way I see it like this, those two quad three losses look really bad, but there are some teams that are currently in the projected field, according to Jerry Palm, that have uh, two quad three losses. Uh, Florida, which I think is the best of the bunch of the sixth seed. There's Colorado, which is on the 10 line. Uh, and then there's one more, which is uh, also a team that's on the 10 line. So you're looking at like, all right, you, know, you if these teams are in the field and they've got the bad losses, now let's take a step back. What about your quality wins? Duke, sub 500 in the first two quadrants, five and six, one and three in quadrant one. Now, Virginia, obviously big quad one opportunity. But to me, I think Duke needs to show up on selection Sunday uh, above 500 in the first two quadrants and need to have three, if not four, quadrant one wins. And then you might be getting uh, a little bit of a boost, not only for the, like, you know, if if you're really cynical and you just truly believe that uh, brands and money are always going to end up being the ultimate tiebreaker, well, it's Duke. You know, if they're sitting on the bubble, the most cynical college sports fan would tell you, the selection committee is going to figure out a way to get in, but they could make an argument about recent form. They could make an argument about how uh, the team had to start and stop, you know, the, all the non-con games that got taken off the schedule in December. They could make an argument that we should take more seriously this final stretch of games. Chip Patterson, in addition to covering all things college sports for CBS, is also a huge Charlotte Hornets fan as well. LaMelo Ball knock on wood again, is expected to be back in action again tomorrow as the Hornets get set to close this homestand against the Golden State Warriors after having a few postponements this week. Usually the big story is Steph Curry coming back to the state of North Carolina and the Queen City. But I think tomorrow, with after a two-week absence, James Wiseman expected to return for Golden State. It's going to be the number two pick going up against the number three pick. I think there's a difference between phenom and a talent. I view James Wiseman to be a talent and LaMelo. James Borrego told us this a few weeks ago. There's nobody else in the league like him. He's a unique player in the NBA. How has what you've seen from LaMelo changed your level of optimism for what this Hornets team can be in the short term and in the long term, Chip? Because the thing that I get um, really, really gassed up about 
is you look and Scary Terry is like the vet of the rotation and he's only 27. Like I, if you just go through the starting lineup, go through, I mean, obviously you throw the Martin twins in there coming off the bench. Oh, biz. Sorry. Biz is like 31. And I kind of feel like he's a little bit of an outlier, but for the most part, the core of this team is 27 and under. And I, I just, I like the pieces. I think that when everybody's um, playing together, it flows really well. Like it's, it's really cool to have that um, LaMelo Miles Bridges kind of partnership and duo that they had going there for a little bit. Most exciting the Hornets have been since the 90s? I wouldn't have to. I Yeah, I mean, I think the answer is yes, but I would have to sit down and like pull up a Wikipedia um, table and go year by year to see what my little brain produces <laughs> in terms of memories. That's, I mean, you know, it gets it gets a little lost up here. You know, we're, we're, we're trying to hold on to net rankings and, and quadrant records and Sometimes my own memories of uh, of Charlotte Hornets fandom have to be deleted or at least pushed to the back for a little bit. On Twitter at Chip underscore Patterson from CBS Sports. We'll, uh, we'll chat with you somewhere down the line. Thanks for doing this, Chip. Sounds good. Y'all be well. You as well. Chip Patterson, CBS Sports, spending time with us today. 336-777-1600 if you want it on today's show because I've received some, uh, some heat today for sending this tweet this morning, Robert. I sent the following tweet. Are we really trying to play college baseball right now? That's the tweet I sent out, which has led to a firestorm of people making assumptions about what I mean by that. Steven tweets in, how do you enjoy this tweet, Robert? This is when baseball's supposed to start. The world must continue to go on. Are you trying to say the world must stop when the weather's bad or there's time for disruption? ST started this time last year as well as during COVID. Stop living in fear. All I'm saying is, I'm not saying there shouldn't be a college baseball season, but have you seen the weather this week? Why are we playing college baseball in February? I've never understood it. Nobody. I don't care how big of a college baseball fan you are. And I know a lot of them. I came from Greenville, America, where they follow that very closely. I don't care how big a fan you are. Nobody cares in February. Nobody cares in February. You got college basketball, football season just ended. March Madness is about to happen. The All-Star Game in the NBA. Heck, we just got the the, the starters announced today. Who, who really is saying, you know what, I need college baseball right now? Who? And again, I love baseball. I, I do. But, man, it's February. I'm, I'm not thinking baseball right now. You right now was me when they were playing golf during football season. I was like, yeah, golf's fine. It's really not. I mean, unless you're playing it, I don't see the reason in watching it. But, like, I, I'm into football right now. I don't really care about golf. I don't care what Tiger's well, doing. Well, at least they don't have majors during football season. They don't have majors. And the only thing that's happening that we would talk about golf-related during football season would be, say, if Tiger was going up against Phil, like happened around Thanksgiving. Those are just the two biggest names in the sport, and there's no name across college baseball that'll get me to a television wanting to watch that sport right now. 
There, there isn't. I, this makes me anti-college baseball? I get what you might think. Oh, Josh, the, the semester's ended in May. Okay, well, they started college basketball season the day before Thanksgiving because they wanted purposefully no students to be on campus. That's usually around the time college basketball starts. Two weeks later, I guess. You know, they're, they're playing with no students on campus all throughout the summer. Are you kidding me? Start the season at a time where people are actually expecting to watch baseball. It should start the week after March Madness, if we're being honest. Started in April, right around the time Major League Baseball season starting, and end the thing in August. That's that's what it should be. I know this might sound incredibly revolutionary to some, but that's probably what's best for the sport, and you're going to have fewer weather postponements if that were the case. Oh, by the way, NC State... Their weekend series postponed. I think might even be outright canceled. Not because of weather, Robert, but because of COVID. We suck. <laughs> I think they were set to go up against VMI. VMI just got COVID, okay? Uh, were the games going to happen? I guess there is sunlight outside. Were the games going to happen if VMI got there? I don't know. It's February. Baseball. Some are clamoring for it. Couldn't it be me? Coming up, how the Carolina Panthers have found their answer at free safety for the next 10 years. This is a Friday Drive. Make some noise, make some noise, let's go. You're on the drive with Josh Graham on Sports Hub Triad. I'll be at NC State Wake Forest tomorrow at the Joel. Steve Forbes, a game after being thrown out due to a double tech in the first half, going to be back coaching against an ACC Big Four team, and I think he's the central storyline for this game. Robert, I can't remember many instances where a coach has been tossed in the first half due to a double tech. If there are any that come to mind for you, let me know about those at least in the ACC context. I've talked to a lot of people who have been following this sport for decades, and they can't remember a time a coach has been thrown out in the first half. Not in this league. Connor O'Neill, he did the homework. More than 30 years you'd have to go back to find a Wake Forest coach who's been tossed in any setting, let alone hit with the double tech the way that Steve Forbes was. Anything come to mind when you think of that? Well, actually, I've, I did a little bit of research before the show because I've, I've heard you say a couple times, like, I can't think of the last time somebody got ejected in the first half. Oh, this is an example of me saying something time and time again without giving you an opportunity to No, me I mean, I, I didn't want to talk happened. about it before. I just kept hearing you say it, so I was like, oh, okay. let me see if I can find so anything. So give me some things that – give me some coaches that might have been tossed in the first half of a game. Uh, none of these are ACC coaches, but I'm going to go in uh, order that these happened, uh, That at least that I found. In 2016, John Calipari got a double tech three minutes into a South Carolina game. Ooh, so I'm he, trying to remember that because that was not a great Kentucky team. He's had some great ones. That was not a great one in 2016. And what I've seen is he's got a double tech twice in the last five years. I couldn't find who the other team was against, but I saw it referenced. I think that was the years after the year after Devin Booker left. Maybe that was Devin Booker's final year. I'm pretty sure Jamal Murray was on that team, though. 
I think I remember hearing that in the in the video I was watching. Uh, the next coach, though, Fran McCaffrey, was ejected in the oh, final yeah. minutes of the first half against Maryland in 2018. Fran McCaffrey's a hothead. He used to be UNC Greensboro's coach long time ago, but he's a hothead. Uh, There's a lot of stuff you could find with Fran McCaffrey. He, he looked like it. I could tell he looked like he had a very red face, like he would get uh, flustered pretty quickly. Yep. Uh, John Beeline was ejected at the end of a first half against Penn State 2019. John Beeline. How has he not been hired yet? Wake fans were so excited. Get John Beeline to Wake. That's what we need. We need John Beeline. That'll make it happen. You'll never see John Beeline in a suit. He's just going to come out. He's going to have his button-up shirt. He looks like much of the triad right now. Coming home from work, has to wear a tie. Like, you get home at 5.15, 5.30. What's that tie look like? If the tie is still around your neck, it's undone. It's the end of the work day. That's what John Beeline looks like. So, of course, he's gotten a double tech. Who else? Uh, the last one was in the NBA. It was this year. Uh, Greg Popovich, eight minutes to go in the second quarter uh, against the Lakers. He got a double tech kick. I out. remember that. It's because the first time a, a woman has relieved a coach to That's be right. coaching in an NBA game. That's right. Becky Hammond. Shouts to the Colorado State uh, women's basketball team she played for way back when. They were the Rams of CSU. Steve Forbes, I, I've never been more interested in the officiating than I am going to be tomorrow. Some like to pay a lot of attention to officiating. I'll tell you who likes officiating more than anybody else and paying attention to it. NC State fans. Pack Pride message boards. They're going to be jumping as they always are after a lot of these games. How are they going to handle Coach Forbes? The ACC, they're just getting introduced to the guy. I'd like to believe, then again, I don't know exactly what he said, what the magic words were on Wednesday night, that if Coach K said the same thing, he's not getting tossed. That, you know, Roy Williams, if he said what Coach Forbes said, I don't know if he's getting tossed either. It reminds me to a degree of when Cam Newton was told by Ed Hockley when he was pleading for a a late hit call, you're not old enough to get that call. It reminds me of that a little bit. New guy in the league, refs aren't going to put up with you too much. But I didn't even recognize the refs who were working that game. wasn't like it was one of the top offici- uh, officiating crews. I bet you're going to get one of those tomorrow. Please. I've never said this before, but I'm going to say it now because it will, I think, elicit the most fun result. Please send TV Ted Valentine to the Joel tomorrow. Please, please do that. I'm begging you. Two o'clock. That it will become must-watch television. Steve Forbes after getting tossed. Ted Valentine working the game that also involves NC State. It's one of the few times I wish Carl Hess was still around in the league. <laughs> It's not going to be Jamie Lucky because Lucky, he did the game earlier this week between State and Pitt. I don't think you're going to work the same team twice in a row. But I've never been more interested in officiating. Yes, Robert? Nothing. I was daydreaming about, is there an ACC coach you would take over Steve Forbes? I feel like he that's the number one pick if we're having to scrap coaches. Oh, like in a fight? Yeah, I mean, if I ever ask you who would you take, it's a fight. Coach Forbes in a fight. I mean, he kicked Bayheim's ass. If it was, oh yeah. For sure. <laughs> like, if we're going through it, like, he, there's a lot of older coaches, so I feel like he would trounce them. 
I was going to say a joke regarding Bayheim that I don't think would have been funny. <laughs> so I'm going to move on from that. Forbes versus Keats. That's the only guy that I came to, at least in my head, where I was like, eh. I mean, I would give Keats a puncher's chance, but I think it's out of his weight class. So, like, if it was an actual fight, I feel like it would break down. Maybe Keats could beat him with athleticism. I, I would probably still go Forbes, though. Yeah, Forbes would take out Larinaga. He would take out, I mean, the if you're older than 65, he's got you, I think. How old's Mike Bray? That's what I want to know. Mike Bray, he strikes me as somebody that could put up a really good fight. And he'll do it in shorts. God, how does his name, how does his age not just pop up like everybody else in the world? Is it protected information? <laughs> I'd imagine he's in his 60s. He's I'd, 61 years old. I'd probably still take Forbes over him without knowing the age. You don't know what Coach Forbes' age is? He probably wouldn't want us putting that out on the radio. It don't matter. I, I'd probably take Forbes in an all-out scrap in the ACC. To answer your question, which is a very good one and important one, I think that's what I would do. But he's still looking for his resume signature win this year. He hasn't gotten it. It's been three years since Wake Forest has gone over against ACC Big Four schools. If Forbes were to lose tomorrow to NC State, and I see a point spread just got released, Wake Forest is a point-and-a-half favorite against the Pack. He will be 0-5 against the ACC Big Four. A win against State would be a really good win after losing to Duke the way that Wake Forest lost. He is the central storyline for this game because Forbes was embarrassed the last time he faced NC State. Like, listen to this sound. This is Forbes a few weeks ago. It was a close game. It was only really close because Devin Daniels got hurt in the second half. But this is what Forbes had to say after the game. All right. Um, this is the most disappointed I've been as – the head coach of Wake Forest since I've taken the job. Not that we lost, um, but the way we lost, um, we just didn't, we didn't play well. Brent tweets in, don't sleep on Tony Bennett in a scrap. He's too nice. Yeah, you need that nasty streak. I mean, that's most of the reason I went with Forbes. Like, I feel like he would just stick his thumb in your eye. Josh Pasner, he has a lot of used car salesmen in his Persona, following in the footsteps of Calipari at Memphis, spiking his face shield uh, down during a game and getting a technical from Teddy V a week ago. His cheekbones are huge, though. I That's feel what like, I'm saying. I feel like he could take a hit, but I don't know. It's too good of a smile. I don't trust the nice smile. Oh, I got one. Oh, this, this is the one. If it's going to be Forbes in a scrap, Brad Brownell is the one that's going to give him his best match. Like, if Forbes is going to meet his match, ooh, Brad Brownell. He's got that mean stepdad face. And he's, you know, he's a tall guy. You know, he's, he's a big dude. When he walks into the room, you know he's walked into the room. Brad Brownell. Let's get in the habit, Wikipedia, of just putting people's height and weight. It's just necessary sometimes. I need to know, Brad Brownell, what he weighs in at. <laughs> Dang it. So who wins a fight between Steve Forbes and Brad Brownell? 
I'm still going Forbes, dude. He's going to Thez press you the know old what? stone cold. We're, right. we're riding Steve Forbes here. That's what we're doing. Steve Forbes. Actually, this goes out to Brad Brownell. Brad Brownell, you don't want it. <laughs> Steve Forbes wouldn't go 0-4 against the big four. Fisty cuffing. Our county's coach could beat your county's coach's dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that NC State weight game, though. Turnovers, it was bad. Token pressure. NC State likes to pressure, but the token pressure even led to turnovers. Wake's gotten a lot better since then. Uh, Carter Witt's become more comfortable. He's going up against NC State. He's a Raleigh kid. you got the triad boys, Cam Hayes, Shaq Moore, returning to the triad. That's an interesting angle, too. I think the turnovers are going to be cut down on, and I like Wake Forest to win this game tomorrow at 2 o'clock. I'm also taking... Steve Forbes in a fight against Kevin Keats and Brad Brownell and Josh Pazner. Token Pressure, is that a better horse or band name? Token Pressure. I would take the odds on Token Pressure. I don't know if I'd go see Token oh, no, Pressure. No. It's, it's a band name. and They probably know, have terrible music. They, they're, the two songs they know how to play are, which is really the same song because it's easy if you know one, they, they play Under Pressure, and they're also uh, playing Ice Ice Baby. Those are the two songs that Token Pressure plays. This has all gotten really ridiculous. Let's go to Denzel and Ridgeway. Denzel, you are an NC State fan. You're Wolfpack are going up against Wake. What do you have? Uh, well, look, Kevin Keith's got those young guards playing better. And it might be a blessing in disguise we lost uh, Devin Daniels, although Devin Daniels is a great player. And uh, you know Kevin Keefe has relied on those transfers. He likes the junior college transfers or the older transfers, but this year is the first year he's kind of going with the youth. Yeah, he is going with the youth. Does that mean mean your boys are going to win tomorrow or no? Uh... I think they can pull it out. They pulled out one against uh, um, Wednesday night. They pulled out against Pittsburgh. Uh, Pitt, and that was uh, that was a that was a tough that because we, our two of our best scores had fouled out. So we'll see. Oh no! You just made me realize something. You just made me realize something. You have you have a great weekend. I appreciate the call so much, Denzel and Ridgeway. You get out of here. We yeah, I like him more when he's pessimistic about the pack than optimistic. <laughs> Pittsburgh's coached by Jeff Capel. He might be somebody you take in a scrap. I thought about it, but like power for power, I think yeah, Forbes... Johnny tweets in that Jeff Capel could go toe-to-toe with Steve. I'm taking Steve. All-out battle royale ACC, I'm taking Steve Forbes. Brad Brownell's the only one I'm worried about, though. Pazner, I'm not because of cheekbones. I think... It's a big target point. You know. Jeff Capel, probably going to make the medal stand. Darren Vaught's waiting for us, I'm told. Maybe he'll have a take on Steve Forbes versus Brad Brownell versus whomever and an ACC battle royale. I'm looking forward to Wake Forest NC State tomorrow, hoping there's not a battle royale. But then again, if there was, I wouldn't hate it. Are we really trying to play college baseball right now? Darren's pro baseball and pro college baseball in February because that's part of his livelihood. 
So you'll join us to discuss that, some college hoops, and we'll do some comparing with Darren next. The Drive with Josh Graham. He's confident, smart, witty, vicious, brutal, vindictive, a monster. This is an evil man. Maybe, but he knows his sports. Back to The Drive with Josh Graham on Sports Hub Triad. This show's completely been thrown off the rails. Robert has derailed it to the enjoyment of much of the triad. At times, I can be buttoned up. Not as fun as I'd like to be, but Robert is really good at ripping me down into the sewer with him and just wrestling. And that's the image I want to put in your head of Steve Forbes potentially fighting Brad Brownell, which is what Robert presented here, talking about coaches and how they'd fare in a scrap things are going to get even weirder now that darren vott joins us and we're going to do some comparing with darren i put the poll up on twitter by the way who would you take in a fight brad brownell or steve forbes and a hundred percent of that vote so far steve forbes and there's a good bit of vote so far but it's only been out there for a few minutes so we'll update that a little bit later on darren vott who you got uh, I, I think I like Brownell in that one. The, the size, and he's he's going to have a reach that I don't think Forbes has. Although, I will say, I, Forbes and I have not interacted ever in person because, you know, COVID and things like that. Whereas, you know, I've, I've seen Brad Brownell and talked to him in person many times. So, so that just makes his, his size a little bit clearer in my mind. Hang, him up, hang up on him, Robert. Get him out of here. No. Also... That might not be the only bad opinion you have because another opinion I've always had is somebody who, I love baseball. Not, maybe not as much as you do as the host of a USA Baseball podcast covering the bases and I'm sure going to be on the call for you know, college baseball that officially starts today. Why don't we just start college baseball in April? Like where all the other baseball leagues start their season? You know, it seems like the most normal thing. We're already playing into the summer and having the College World Series, so don't tell me it's term limit or semesters. Who would really be upset if college baseball started the week after the Final Four and you had it through August? It, I mean, I, I hear you. If that was the way it had always been done, then no, nobody's going to be upset. But then if you just suddenly plop down a plan for a season that doesn't begin until – April, when it normally starts mid-February, it's like, okay, well, where the hell did those two and a half months of baseball go? And I would rather have two and a half months of baseball at any time than, than not, right? Um, I get it. Like, as somebody who played, I remember the very first collegiate game I played was in Bristol, Virginia, and it was on February, 4th, I think it was 14th, I think it was uh, Valentine's Day, and it was like 10 degrees outside. Because, again, I went to school in the mountains in Virginia. So, like, imagine Boone and just straight north of that. And it was awful, right? Like, you, you, we had little space heaters in the dugout. But, you know, it's, it's baseball. I, I told Robert before he put me on, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad that we've got baseball this weekend. I'll be at Georgia Tech tomorrow and Sunday to do their, uh, the two, two games of their series with Eastern Kentucky. But, like, I – I get it. If I would have made the schedule way in advance, I probably wouldn't have had it starting this way, but it doesn't mean I'm not happy. Yeah, it's just I. there's a huge basketball weekend. 
where well you got high point tonight that's going to be a really fun game against Winthrop hopefully as fun as it was last night just with high point winning the game as Winthrop's 19 and one over uh, under coach Kelsey going up against Tubby Smith tomorrow you got the Hornets and Golden State in Charlotte you got uh, no canceled or postponed games of the ACC tomorrow knock on wood Louisville Carolina Virginia Duke NC State Wake it's just college baseball doesn't really fit in there right now it's kind of my thought process as somebody who watched college baseball his entire life but um let's transition now into comparing with Darren Darren Vot's on Twitter at Darren Vot. Robert we haven't done this in a while so I'm interested in where you're gonna go here for those who are unfamiliar Robert has some punchline some common thread between these things that he's thinking about that we do not know we are not prepped on these really beforehand. So we'll see how this goes. It's comparing with Darren. Comparing. Guys, we haven't done this in like, what, two weeks, three weeks? It's been a minute. It's been three, a while. Three I weeks. missed it. It's been a while. All right, so the way I want to do this is I think I'm going to start off with bad, and then we're going to work our way to worse. Because these did not get good over the break. You say that every single time, too. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you. Have you get- ever said these are really good? I don't remember that ever. I, I have said that once, and you guys poo pooed all over them. So now I, I promise low and then try to deliver high. Usually, what you think's bad, we like, and what you think is good, we hate. <laughs> yeah, that's. Which is more about taste than your ability to draw out good or bad. That's true, too. All right, let's get this thing started. Get it started, Josh. I'll get it started with you. Um, Let's get the worst one out of the way. Uh, compare canned meat to uh, junk email. Junk email. Canned meat. Oh, this is easy. I guess if you're like me, it probably stays there forever and you never toss it out. <laughs> Spam. Oh! So bad. Spam! So bad. Oh, that's good. <laughs> no, that's good. That's I like good. it. See, like, but being a semantics guy, I'm like, Robert, is spam really meat? Uh, see, I, I would have to say yeah because it's not a vegetarian option. It is some kind of meat. It contains meat product. I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah, g- give me that one. Darren, how about this? Uh, I would like you to compare. Do this one for me. These three things. Stoners, movie directors, and Dungeons and Dragons players. Uh, oh, man. This seems difficult. Is, is this, would you consider this one difficult? Um, I have no idea. I, I would say that if you're not at least two of these things, you probably wouldn't get it. No. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not going to take the bait on that either. Roll it. <laughs> Roll it. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> See, now if you would have given me like. If you would have given me like uh, what do what the phrase that these three say? Oh, there you go. Oh, stop it, Darren. This is not. (laughs) Let's make adjustments with Darren. This is comparing with Darren. What's next, Robert? I would be in favor of that as a segment, just for future. I know it doesn't rhyme, but you know, for future (laughs) reference. (laughs) Josh, give me this one. Uh, We talked about Muppets earlier. Fozzie Bear, Pac Man, Shakira. What do they have in common? Love Fozzie Bear. (laughs) I love Shakira. Waka Waka. There you go. <laughs> We're giving them out. I today. love Waka Waka by Shakira. 
Pac-Man. Waka, waka, waka. And... All right, who's who's Fozzie Bear was the best there? I want to hear this again. Robert Walsh, you're Fozzie Bear. Waka Waka. Darren. Waka Waka. <laughs> I gotta go, Darren. This is, this yeah, is... Darren's is a lot better. More enthusiastic. His heart was in it more. Uh, Darren, do this one for me. Compare Wayne's World to a meeting that should have been an email. I don't quite know where you're going with this one, but I like it. It makes me think of uh, when, when when I think meetings that should have been emailed, I think The Office and Michael Scott. And this is I, you're not going to get me away from this association in my mind. I know it's not the answer, but I can't think of comparing Michael Scott during those conference room meetings and all of Dana Carvey's impersonations. It's not Michael Scott. You got to stay with me here. This is a little bit of a stretch. Unnecessary zoom, and that's because extreme close up. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> okay, all right. Excellent. So bad. Extreme close up. <laughs> I couldn't. Give, I they thought, don't say extreme. Unnecessary, unnecessary zoom. zoom. That's good. That's I thought good. you were going to go in the way of the. Uh, is it Uber Eats? and the Eat Local commercials that they've been brought back for. That's what made me think about it. Let's speed this thing up. Speeding it up, Josh. MC Hammer and Service Dogs. Can't touch this. God. Josh just gets all the easy ones, man. And next week, I... Then I think MC Hammer. I mean, who... What else are you thinking? Except maybe the Hammer Pan. $20 million. I don't know, but yeah. Can't touch this. Josh hits that one on the head. Darren, you get the last one here. Uh... No, we've rolled through them. That's it, right? Boom, oh, boom, damn. boom. There you that go. Hey, unless you guys both want to participate. No, wait. There is one more. Who has one more? I need to start organizing these a little better. <laughs> oh, Darren, you do get one. Uh, George Washington, Sir Mix-a-Lot. Get it on. Uh, is it is it common knowledge that George Washington likes big butts? Is that- <sighs> Close enough. I'll give you that one. Their, their inability to lie. <laughs> okay. All right. You okay. guys both want to get one. Uh, it was kind of depressing, so I didn't include it. No. Yeah. Yeah. Ro- come on. Roll it. <laughs> Roll it. There we go. Darren's got the right idea. Uh, cars and horror movies, and me on Wednesdays. Breaking the cars down at the wrong break time. Down. Breaking down at the wrong time. Pretty bad. That's good. Okay. <laughs> this segment goes way too long. Appreciate it. Darren, see you, buddy. Have a good call tonight and this weekend. Tell BG I said hello. Will do. I'll see you guys. There you go. That's Darren Vaught. That's been comparing with Darren.